Welcome to Growing Empowered Eaters. I'm your host, Ahuva Magda Hirschkop, mom of three, registered dietitian, and women's empowerment coach. I work with women around the world to support them in reclaiming their power, tapping back into their intuition, and harnessing the true power of the dinner table to raise empowered humans. Want to find out how? Listen along, and you'll be sure to learn. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Growing Empowered Podcast. So we're going to get a little personal this week. I know that we don't know each other very well, um, but we are we are going to get into it. And the reason we are is because I realized that I haven't always shared every part of the story of how I sort of came to support working moms, how I started to coach on self-trust, how that really evolved for me in my own life and where that came from. And so I wanted to backtrack a little bit. You may have heard bits and pieces of this or little snippets, but I wanted to just share the whole story and help illustrate why self-trust is such a big piece of everything for me. So when I was 10 years old, I was bullied in school for my body. I had boys who would put knapsacks on their stomachs to make you know, to make fun of me or say that they looked like me. And it was a pretty bad time. It was, it was, as you can imagine, pretty traumatic for a 10-year-old. It was actually how I decided to become a dietitian. I went to visit a dietitian after that. And so that was a nice part of the story. But it was one of the first times that I became aware of my body. I was a person who was incredibly confident before, incredibly just it didn't even notice. It didn't even occur to me really to think about my body. I knew that my body was larger than some of my friends because there was a very specific gap shirt that matched with our school uniform that some of the girls used to wear to school. And I couldn't have it because it was gap kids. And so I, and I didn't fit into those sizes. So I knew that I was a little bit bigger than some of the girls in my class, but it didn't bother me. I never really thought about it until that moment. And after that moment, it was almost like a switch flipped. Like I became hyper aware of my body. And not only my body, I became hyper aware of everything, right? So for anyone who's had the experience of being hyper aware of of your body and how it takes up space and what it looks like and, and all of that, it impacts every social situation that you have, right? I was constantly aware of what my body looked like in spaces, of where I was standing, who was standing around me, right? So were people behind me, were people on my side, where obviously they could see a uh, you know side view um, of my body, where like what was what was that looking like? Was my hair right? Was I talking right? When I laughed, how did I look? All of those kind of things in my teenage years, I was incredibly, incredibly aware of. I am a very a person who's very in touch with my body to begin with. I always say that you know when I was having an, an epidural with my twins, the anesthesiologist asked me a question, and I gave think I gave him you know of like does it hurt as I'm putting it in, or do you feel anything? I think I gave him like a 45 minute breakdown of it doesn't hurt, but it feels you know X, Y, and Z here, and the guy was like cool. I literally need yes or no. So I'm a person who's very, very in touch with my body, but I was hyper aware of it. And 
in being hyper aware of my body, it also made me very hyper aware of being appropriate or accepted in other ways. And so I'm sure that this would resonate with a lot of people. If my body was already wrong, if I had already sort of stepped out of expectations with the body that I have, then I obviously had to make up for it in other ways. I obviously had to be more socially acceptable or more proper or more, you know, whatever that is. I had to do things, quote unquote, right because I was already wrong in some ways. And I'm sure that that's not an experience that is, is you know, only mine. I know that there are, I know that so many of the clients that I have, so many of the women that I work with, so many people, whether it was coming from a place of diet culture, coming from a place of being told that their bodies were wrong, whether it was a place of being a minority and having, you know, their culture be almost presented as wrong. I know some people have this experience of being, you know, the, the child with um, cultural food in the, in the, I was going to say the classroom, but I really mean the lunchroom and, you know, having that be a way that they're presented as wrong. Um, and, and this happens for so many of us when we are young and we don't always even understand what's happening. But there are so many ways that we start to filter ourselves and that we start to quiet ourselves and we start to doubt ourselves when we have the the idea that our entire being is wrong. And so we have to make up for it in so many different ways. And so I talk about mom hustle culture, right? And proving by doing, right? How so many women feel like they are stuck proving themselves as a good mother, as a good woman, as a good employee, as a good entrepreneur, as the right way of doing things in continuously doing, right? In being the one who's always exhausted and being the one who's always baking the fresh cookies instead of going to the, the bakery to pick them up, who's always, I don't, you know, like the last one sitting down at a meal and the first one standing up and always refilling plates and always doing. And a lot of that stems from all of these small ways that so many of us were told that we were wrong or not doing things right or not meeting societal expectations as kids and or as young adults and have carried that through with us, that lack of self-trust, that lack of ability to connect so powerfully with our message of what is right for me because we were told that we were wrong. And so by extension, whatever's right for you must be wrong if it doesn't match what society expects, right? So if you're wrong to begin with, it's almost like if you're colorblind, right? You can't say what a color is, like, or what, you know, purple is. Like you might think purple is green or whatever that is. And we almost act like we're walking through the world colorblind. We need somebody else to tell us what purple is. We need somebody else to to tell us what green is because we fundamentally don't know, but we do know. We just learn to ignore it. And so I spent a long time, uh, definitely all of my teenage years, lots of my twenties, watching, watching things happen and doing, 
right? If I could keep myself doing, I didn't have to notice so strongly um, all of those thoughts that come up when you just sort of try to take your guard down. And watching how people reacted to the things that I did, watching what my body looked like in certain spaces and all of, you know, watching how I was doing things right. And it was freaking exhausting. Going to a party, going to a public space, being in a, in a place with people and consistently being more concerned with everybody else's experience of you than you are of your experience at the party or in the space or in that room is horrible. And yet it's so often where so many of the women that I am coaching are stuck in being so concerned with being so aware of everybody else's experience of them and how they can manipulate the people's experience of them if they just work hard enough and if they just try hard enough and if they just focus their energies, that we continue to be so far removed from ever being able to tap into what we want our experience to be. We never even consider it because it's impossible to when you're considering everybody else's so strongly. And that comes from a lack of self-trust and a lack of enoughness. That is, I don't have to do all of the things. I just have to be who I am. And I gave this example on social media yesterday. So I'm recording this episode in real time. I, I switched the episode for this week because I wanted to be able to put this out here. But my son was homesick yesterday. And for anyone who's had a sick toddler, he's a year and a half, there isn't very much that you can do, right? You can give medicine, you can you know, give him a cold bath, but sometimes like he doesn't know what he wants. He wants everything. He doesn't want everything. You know, you know, that experience of like, you're not even sure what you want. And so I can't match someone's needs who doesn't even know what they need because I can't know what they need. And so doing all the things is a road to nowhere. And he didn't really need me to do very much. His body is doing what it needs to do in fighting off whatever he has. He needs me to be there, to be with him, to go into that space with him, to, you know, for him to use me as a chair, for me to cuddle him, for me to tell him that I'm with him. He needs me to be, not to do, not to watch the situation, not to observe, but to be in the moment with him. And we miss the opportunity to ever create those experiences for our kids where, and our families and ourselves where we fully step back into what it means to be. I was at a wedding earlier this week and I was like, oh my gosh, like it's so amazing. I saw, I think I saw myself in the mirror like halfway into the wedding and like a piece of hair was like way out of place. And I was like, okay, cool. I like fixed it and like moved on. There was no, oh my God, what would everybody have thought? Oh my God, it's so embarrassing. Oh my God, I'm going to go beat myself up for for 7,000 years. There was no, I'm going to dance. What am I going to look like? There was just being able to be. Because when you can harness that self-trust, 
when you can develop that enoughness with yourself, you can stop that, that constant refrain in your head of, we have to be careful. What are they going to think? Who's, who's looking? What, a, what impression are they going to get? Am I doing this right? Because the only concern in the moment becomes, am I doing what's right for me? Am I doing what's right for my family? Am I building the life that I want to? And ultimately, that's all that matters. Because if you're trying to do everything right, if you're trying to make everybody happy, if you're trying to meet the expectations of all of society, of everyone, you are on a road to nowhere. You are going to fail. You are setting yourself up for it. And the quicker that we can shift to harnessing the self-trust that allows us to build a life that brings joy and fulfillment to us and our family is when we can actually start impacting the world around us and actually start giving our family and ourselves and our community and the world everything that it needs and deserves in the craziness that is the world right now. And so if you are looking to start shifting out of being hyper aware of everybody else and to start becoming aware of what you want and how what you need and the ways that you want to fundamentally live your life, I would love to welcome you into, into the Fulfilled Feminine, into my coaching program. Hit reply to, I'm going to send this out to my email list because I want every single person to hear this, this email, this uh, podcast. And I would love it if you would send me an email, hit reply. If, if you got this email, send me an email if you're listening somewhere else and let me know what your experience was in, you know, if, if you had a similar experience, if this is hitting, you know, hitting home for you. And I would love to, to welcome you inside to the Fulfilled Feminine. Okay. Have a great rest of your day and a great rest of your week. And I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Growing Empowered Eaters. Before you go, remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Leave us a five-star review and take a screenshot and send it to me over on Instagram at my handle at ahuva, A-H-U-V-A, RD so that I can say a proper thank you for joining me on this mission to growing empowered eaters.